Welcome to the Mobile Home Expert Podcast. I'm Jason Sorotin with Glenn Esterson, and today we have a special guest, Charles DeHart. Charles, how you doing? Doing well. And Glenn, how you doing? I'm always doing excellent. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Find my friend as well. So, Charles, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I started out in the business maybe around 2013, and uh, I was a, an owner. I still actually own quite a few properties, but uh, got up to about 20 parks, uh, maybe 2,000 lots or so, and then made the decision to start working with, with Glenn on the broker side, and we're building a, a sort of a broker business. That's awesome. Yeah, we wanted to bring you in today because today's focus is really around people who are getting to the age where they're looking to retire and sell their parks. And since you've been through the cycle and you're on the broker side and Glenn's so knowledgeable, I figured let's get you two together and let's hash this thing out so that people who are making the move to retirement can get the most cash out of their deal and protect themselves from um, all standpoints. So I want to start by just asking, you know, what are some of the common signs that you're maybe ready to retire in this business? What, what, what is on people's minds these days that's making them want to get out? Is it the, maybe the fact that the market has never been better and people are worried about the bubble or is it something else? I think, uh, I think it's multifaceted, but, uh, before we dive into that, I, I just want to, uh, say a few words to, to Charles or about Charles. Um, Charles is, is, is a very humble person. Uh, what he doesn't tell you is he was a very successful owner with these, with these uh, parks, and he was part of a large community that, um, that he helped build from the ground up, uh, including another really great podcast on the mobile home industry, which uh, I'm sure uh, you know, a lot of our listeners have probably heard before. Um, and Charles has, has done phenomenal with the ownership side and building the systems it takes to be a good owner. Um, and, uh, you know, he brings with him to us a whole lot of extra information that even I and, and my circles of people don't really have access to. That's so awesome. We're hoping this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a real big benefit for our buyers and sellers that we get involved with. Um, but jumping back into to your question, about some of the things that, you know, make people consider selling. And, and, and the first thing you said, you really kind of hit it, you know, nail, the nail on the head. I think um, where we are in this economy right now, it's in everybody's minds. Everybody's suggesting it. And I'm being generalistic, of course. Uh, but uh, it feels like 2007 again, except we got more money this time and more, uh, and more movement in the markets than we had even then. Um, and with the, the debt yield curve inverting just uh, a month or so ago, it's historically been a six-month uh, uh, warning for a recession around the corner. And the older I get, probably like the older everybody gets, we think more and more about the economy and how it's affecting our bank accounts. And um, with, with a, an owner who's thinking, hey, I might be a seller in the next one to five years, you know, what if this recession – is as bad as this last one, even though no one's saying that, it's on their mind. Um, and, you know, some of the other triggers, though, are, are, are really um, just they get wore out. You know, these parks are not easy. Even once you get them as easy as they can be, they're still not easy. 
And, you know, that's why that's why we tend to make more money in this business, because it's it's a harder business. So we have a higher yield, but it's never most of the time it never gets to be easy. And uh, Charles has done a great job building systems to make it as easy as it can be. And I'll let him speak for himself. But I think he'll agree with me that it's never been easy. And um, as you get older, you probably don't want to work as hard in this type of business. And maybe you want to go buy a yacht and go down to Florida and sit on the boat fishing all day or something. Right. Um, you know, so family things and, you know, thinking about all the other sellers that might be entering the market, just like they did in 07, that really ramped up that bubble. And, you know, then it's harder to sell your deal because there's all this competition, um, which usually has a negative impact on the pricing. So, you know, uh, uh, Sam Zell, you know, uh, is uh, a kind of a world famous owner in, in, in real estate. And, you know, he's uh, he's been indicating that he's selling off a lot of this stuff to beat the rush of sellers that are coming into the market. And so um, those would be a few of the things out there that would 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 quickly cross an owner's mind that would trigger them into, you know, thinking about retirement and selling off. Maybe Charles has got a few more things to add. Yeah, no, I appreciate the, the intro, Glenn. And um, I think um, there's plenty of reasons why, why sellers sell, but the, the one that I want to focus on maybe a little bit more for this discussion is probably more geared towards investment philosophy as opposed to the emotional attachments that go along with selling especially for a lot of owners who may have built the property or have owned it in their family for a long time. That, that decision is, is a lot deeper than, um, than just investment philosophy, but, but to add in the investment philosophy side of that, you know, into it is, um, is also wise to do. Um, so I guess the way that you could really think about this is that very rapidly, and it's being driven by a couple of different things, uh, but pretty rapidly, cap rates have compressed. So if you're not familiar with cap rates, what, what that really means is it's the multiple off of your your really your net operating income, which you could also kind of consider as your profit. It's it's how many times that profit someone's willing to pay for for the property. So traditionally, as a business, it's been somewhere around you know most people get taught you know 10 to 11 times the net operating income is typically where you want to be when you're buying a park. And that's been, it's been that way for a long time. That's what people are, what a lot of the people that were, that came into the business when I did and even before then, um, that's what they were looking at. And what's changed in that is the industry has gotten a lot more popular. So a lot of guys that are coming over from apartments where the multipliers are, are much bigger, the cap rates are basically lower, but the multiplier is bigger. Um, it just means that for the same profit, they're willing to pay more for the property. And so there's a couple of things that drive this. Um, for, for us, it, I mean, most investors who've been in mobile home parks know or knew that this was coming because this is what happens when industries consolidate. So right now we're in the early stages of the consolidation movement in, in manufactured housing. So it's, it's, it's something that's probably going to be here to stay. Um, is that we're going to see cap rates relative to interest rates, that spread probably stay pretty static, you know, right around two points. So that means that our interest rate drops, and I don't know if it can go a whole lot lower than it is right now. Um, It can definitely go higher. But as our interest rate drops, 
then the cap rate will drop, which means the multiplier is higher. It means your sale price is higher. Hey, Charles, so just I don't know what the f- can I ask a question real quick? So when we're talking about, sure. just to put it in simple terms, and I know a lot of the people who are already involved know this information, but if my operating expenses or my what it costs to run the park is about 30000 are you saying I could get a 10x to 12x on that as an easy number? On your, let's on say your operating, your- net operating income. So just using easy numbers like that. Let's say you have a nice turnkey park. And you're operating, and you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year in gross revenues, and you're spending about fifty thousand a year. Let's say you're spending forty thousand a year in expenses, and your your net operating income or your NOI would be sixty thousand dollars. At cap rates, is a, a, a result of how many multiples of that. NOI you can get. So let's say historically it's been a 10 cap. That would mean you would get $600,000 for your park. Uh, today, the cap rates are closer to, to 6 to 8% right now in, in most markets. And that would indicate that your your property at 600000 might be worth somewhere around you know $800,000 at a 6 cap or, or 700000 at an eight cap kind of thing. So the multiple, the lower the cap rate, the higher the price. Um, and the, the, the so, it, you know, it, what we're seeing now, as Charles was pointing to, is, is this real consolidation with all these buyers coming in from all over the place saying, hey, this has more yield. And that's driving our prices up, obviously. It keeps us seller's market. And as interest rates go down, so do our cap rates, because now we can even get more aggressive with the pricing because the debt is cheaper to operate. And so that's kind of, uh, you know, right. it, it, you know, a big reason why, you know, uh, we're, we're in this bubble. And as a retired guy, uh, going back to Charles, and I'll turn it back over to you in a second, it's going to create some incentive for them to be worried about it. Yeah, that's what I was going to toss. Take it over. Yeah, that's what I was going to toss back to Charles. Is so, you know, I, I want to hear the rest of what you were saying. But if you could also tell mm-hmm. us, like, if you were thinking about retiring in the next five years, is now probably prime time to gear up to sell? Yeah, you'd have to define for yourself what retirement looks like, and you know, we always mobile home parks are not as passive as they've been billed as. So. And any owner that owns one knows that it's not exactly passive. There is some work to be done. And so if retirement is you don't want to do the work in the park, then, then yeah, that w- I would probably look at right now as being probably a pretty good time to sell. And the reason why I would say that is uh, it's more about opportunity cost. So if anything changes, like we said, if interest rates start to rise or if a recession happens, it, it, the recession, what that does, if it knocks out buyers, out of the marketplace. So all the pretenders go away and then you're now left with buyers that shortlist the buyers who have more purchasing power or, or pricing power. So prices drop and cap rates will, will actually, um, they'll go up in a situation like that just because there's less competition for the buyers. And well, so it's, not, it's also going to go up during a recession as it always does. They keep it low for a minute, but then it starts to rise and that, you know, with the higher the debt, the lower the price of the park because there's less yield left over. 
Um, and so that all has a, a tremendous impact on when it's when is the right time to sell. And nobody's nobody's got a crystal ball. None of us, right? So yeah. if if you're thinking of selling in five years, and we're seeing the indicators that hey, at least the next year or two, you know, in one year, at least a year or two might be challenging, and you mix in this election turmoil that's all over the place. Uh, and see if there's a change of guard, you know, that that could hurt the economy, that could help the economy. We don't know. But if we don't know, that means we're scared and then we tend to pull out of something. Um, so all of these factors, thinking ahead, geez, if I timed it just right, can I make an extra, you know, few points on my money? Yeah, probably. But is that risk worth it when you can beat all the other sellers to the market right now and get what is right now? Seriously, some of the most aggressive pricing I have ever seen. And I think that would outweigh the risk of, well, I could have gotten more if I held it for one more year. And then a year and a half later, your deal falls apart when you think you're selling it for top notch and you end up getting less because the economy's starting to tank. And, you know, your retirement really might have to wait a few years because now it's going to take a minute or you're going to have to sell for a number that was lower than you could have at this point in stage on, on the so, on the flip side of that right the the doom and gloom of a bad economy wouldn't that serve well for like cash flow of mhp parks if you you know if you absolutely. were in that situation it does assuming you're in a reasonable market that isn't you know middle of nowhere and you you have some uh you know some some employment opportunities even during a recession um you're gonna you're gonna feel okay you're going to feel like, well, at least I can get through it. But you know what you didn't get? You didn't get to retire. And <laughs> right. yeah, you're going to cash flow. You know, you're going to get no fishing, no beaches back here. Right. Exactly. You know, it's, you're not going to be fishing. You're not, I mean, you're not going to be playing that golf game, that, that endless golf game. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's that, do I have the risk tolerance to ride the market further and see what happens? Or is, is this about as good as I've ever seen it? So I'm going to, you know, take my money and run. Um, and that's, that's a personal decision, like Charles was saying, but from a metric standpoint, I would really open your eyes and see what's going on with the, uh, with the debt right now. I would see what's going on with the economy right now. I would read about these, these, uh, debt yield inversions that we've been having. And I would, you know, really consider what an election that goes one way or another would have on an impact of your pricing and, and reliability of getting to the finish line if you're trying to sell. Because we're seeing, you know, we're seeing indicators that, like, if it's somebody like, you know, Bernie Sanders, who, who might be a great man and a great president, it might be the worst thing we've ever seen. I don't know. I'm not there yet. But if his, some of his policies, like we've been seeing up in the Northeast, catch on, you know, catch on more and we see more rent controls come in place, if you live in one of those markets like New York right now, your property your property value just started tanking uh, with all these uh, rent control measures they just put in. And uh, whether it might be for the social good, it's not going to feel good in your pocket when you're hoping that you're about to retire. So got it, got it. So I would look, uh, at the, I would, I would look, I would look as far into the future as you can with this, and then balance it on what you really want in life right now. Yeah. So I mean, it, it seems clear to me this is a seller's market. You can make more than you've ever seen on the on the books uh, 
to sell your property. Let's get back to Charles and talking about kind of some of the processes and things that you need to do if you're you're getting ready to sell your park to get the maximum dollar out of it. Yeah, so what I would recommend if you're if you're in a position to where you're you're starting to think about selling, then you need to you need to start addressing some of the issues that are that are likely to come up during the selling process. So there's a, there's probably a couple of different categories you can, um, you can categorize these in, but the first thing is you need to get your books and your records in order and presentable to a, um, to a potential buyer. And the reason is, is that if they have to go, if they have to do too much work, um, a lot of buyers will just back out of the deal. If they, if they have to do too much work trying to dissect what, your records look like and if it's very confusing then most buyers will they'll either buy uh, they'll either bow out of the deal just because of how the, the level of difficulty or what they'll do is they'll start making assumptions and as a buyer you always make assumptions in your favor so if you have your buyer making a lot of assumptions you know those assumptions aren't going in your favor and so they're going to base their pricing on their assumptions and if you have a lot of buyers doing that, it, it could result in you not getting what you what you could get for your property. Um, with just proper uh, organization on your books and records, and you know it's uh, that's a great that's a great uh, uh, piece of advice to give people is you know twelve months, twenty four months, thirty six months is your horizon. Now is the time to put these books and records together. And, you know, have somebody like me or Charles, you know, give you a template to either use or talk to your accountant to use, um, but start getting everything prim and proper. Because if the buyer doesn't understand it, it's going to make them underbid or walk away. The, the second thing you need to do is you need to, uh, I would look at things that you're not doing, that you're leaving kind of some money on the table. And what I mean by that is if, if let's say there's a couple of different things you can do, but some of the things you want to look at, you really want to look really hard at your revenue numbers and try to get those up um, if you're leaving money on the table. So if your rents are below market, then try to start getting those up a little bit higher. Or if you're, let's say you're billing back water and your water expense is a lot greater than what you're pulling in in revenue, you just match up your water bills with your with what you build a residence, and it's, there's a pretty big difference there. Then try to do a little bit of research, figure out what that what that problem is, why that is different. You know, either it's a leak, or some of your meters might not be working correctly, or you're not billing off of the right multiple, or three of the things that could happen there. But that's what Glenn and I have seen as being the most impactful things on value that are super easy to fix. So. Really far below market rents doesn't take much to do that. You just you, you put a rent increase in place. You don't have to go super crazy with it, uh, but just something to to help your revenue out a little bit more. And then I would also look at your billing on your water because I've seen so many deals that are leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table. When we talk about that multiplier, however much money you're not collecting that right there, you just multiply it by whatever the multiple is, 10, 12, 14, whatever your property is. And that's how much money is coming off your sale price of what you could get. So it would be significant. Um, 
Gotcha. And then the third thing I would do is I would call up the municipality and do a real quick check on your property just to make sure everything's in order. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to make sure that you're, you're talking to planning and zoning uh, to just make sure that, that, that they have their record straight, at least that, you know, that your property is legally allowed to exist. That's going to be one thing that every buyer is going to do that. And every bank is going to do that. And sometimes municipalities do some things that are a little bit loony. And so if they, if you, if you get an answer that's not correct, then that's when you involve an attorney. You don't want to find that out while you're under contract with a buyer because a buyer is going to, they're going to beat you up pretty hard over that. Um, so I would look at that. I'd call code enforcement and just make sure that, you know, that you at least have a record of all the code enforcement violations, if any, and that you can turn those over. The more information you can give a buyer on the front end, uh, the less they'll beat you up on, on price. And, and, and don't hide the dirt. Department. And don't yeah. hide the dirt with the buyers. That's something a lot of owners make the mistake of. Like when, when Charles says go to municipality and, and look at how your property, you know, make sure everything's in order. If it's not in order, don't hide that from the buyer because you're just wasting time because they're going to uncover that. And you're going to look more uh, uh, transparent if you tell them up front, hey, there is some encroachment issues or there is uh, this issue or that issue, but we've accommodated for that in the pricing, you'll at least have a better chance of maintaining your pricing. Because, you know, surprises kill deals every single day. And you're adding and, unnecessary um, stress. Like, that's just stressful, and, right. like, busy work for yourself. Yep. Yep. So, it, you know, I, I would suggest that, um, you know, you, you give yourself, uh, you know, your own little evaluation on the park. I would, you know, are my numbers in order? Like, the first thing that Charles was saying you know, are my rents in order? Like the second thing. And then is the legal stuff all in order? And if you're unsure, you give me or Charles a call and we'll do an evaluation for you. And we'll tell you what, what we think are the holes in the, in, in, in the, uh, in the program and, you know, what we should do to start remedying them. And we're pretty great at, at helping people with that. We love to do it. And it's a free service we offer. That's awesome. That's added value for sure. So on the, on the flip side of that, guys, what are some stupid things that people do that don't add value to the park that people just think are important so they go ahead and start doing them? I'm sure people waste money on things that don't add value. Um, yeah, there's, there's not a, a ton of this stuff. Um, I think a lot of owners are, are pretty, I don't know, they're pretty pretty prudent with the, the way that they spend their money and, and, and do things like that on capital improvements. Um, off the top of my head, I mean, there, there are some, there's definitely some things that you can do that don't really add revenue, but it doesn't mean you, you would shy away from doing that. It might upgrade the property into, you know, being more attractive for a different set of buyers. I mean, so the that's curb a, appeal a, is still I mean, important. Well, here's, here's one that is, is actually a pretty complicated one that happens quite often and uh roads roads are a big deal right if you got gravel roads it's a lot harder to finance with fannie mae uh than if you have paved roads but paved roads can be expensive especially if they've aged 20 30 years without any good repairs other than just some cement and pothole fixing here and there like a lot of the mom and pops do myself included um when you repave a road, it can be very expensive, but it's going to make your park look beautiful. And 
but it's going to cost you a fortune, and it's not always recovered in your sale price when you go and sell. So on something like that, you have to do a cost-benefit analysis and see what that extra value that you're putting brand new roads in today and you're trying to sell tomorrow, what extra value is that brand new road giving you on a price that, uh, you know, that you're trying to sell at, uh, or is it, you know, going to actually cost you in the long run? Let's just pretend this is a small road. It could easily be a hundred thousand dollars. And, but let's say the, the cap rate in the market is, is where we are now and it's already pretty aggressive, but it, you can't, they're not going to be able to compress the cap much to be able to accommodate a hundred thousand additional dollars. Plus you probably want to get paid for your time and energy. So a hundred thousand dollars is really just a wash. Um, and if you might not recover it, but what you might be able to do is say, Hey, I'm thinking of selling three years time or five years time. And if I put new roads in now, I can probably upgrade the rents a little bit and then in a few years' time be set to, get, to make more money on, the, on that, and that would be a good improvement to do. But improvements that you try doing last minute often are a, can be a, you know, an exercise in pretending like you took care of the park the whole time to make it look good at the end, but not necessarily something you'll realize a profit on. Um, the, the, the cheap things I recommend people doing um, is things like, Tighten up your driveways. That's a cheap fix, you know, especially if you got paved roads, but then gravel driveways, usually the gravel spit all over the place. Go buy some four by fours and, and pin it into place and, and, and do that. That's not going to cost you a lot of money. Go in and, you know, cut out any uh, dead hanging trees that, you know, might end up getting rebid on during a buyer's thing. Cause you probably got some guy with the chainsaw that can do it. And a buyer is going to bid a professional service on it. I think even Charles and I went through that on a deal, if I remember correctly. Yeah, probably did. <laughs> yeah, what was it? The, the deal in Petersburg that we did. You guys had, you remember that the buyer on that deal, we were not going to name people, but the buyer on that deal, I think, was asking for a $13,000 discount on removing those trees. And uh, a mom and pop who had been on site could probably have removed those trees for a couple thousand dollars. Um, yep. You know, so uh, you remember that? It all adds up. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, it does know, add so, up. That was, you know, and add in some other things too. I mean, some obvious ones. I mean, if you've got vacant homes, get them renovated and, and get them leased. Don't you know? Don't just put warm bodies in there because you're going to have uh, you're going to have problems. But you got it. Yeah, you got to vet um, them real good. Uh, but you know, simple things. I say do if it makes it look prettier and it's not going to cost you know much then yes it makes sense to do it. if you got ugly roofs you know go get some roof paint get your maintenance guy up on there and even if it's the tenant's house paint the roof for him do something nice paint the roof for him and it's going to help you on your sale price if you got skirts all beaten up by, by weed whackers go buy some new skirts same kind of thing this is the kind of cheaper expense that's going to get you a better not necessarily a better value but a better presentation to maintain the value that chances are you know, if you're using a broker, your broker is, is probably pitching that that type of quality anyways. So you want to be able to maintain that line. Yep. Gotcha. So, so guys, if I'm looking to retire and sell, what can you guys do for me and, and what do you do? What's the process look like? Well, the first step that we, we tell everybody and, and, and uh, 
try to get them to understand why it's important is going back to what's some of the first thing you think about if you're selling, even if you're a year out, get an evaluation done. Whether you use, whether you use my team or some other broker's team or, or, or a bank to do your own appraisal, which is expensive and costly, whereas broker, at least my team will do it for free, um, we give you a pretty good idea of where you stand today and what can be achieved tomorrow. And, you know, that would be one of the very first steps of, you know, what we help with uh, sellers that are thinking of retiring. And, you know, as Charles mentioned in the beginning, get those books and records in order. If they can't understand it, they're going to underbid it. So, well, if somebody's if somebody if somebody signs up with you, Glenn, do they get that? Are are they locked in to use you, or is this something that you do without a contract? How does that work? Nope, it's contract free and and it's price free. We don't charge anything for these type of you know analysis uh, for any of these analysis that we do. Um, you know, we're we're here to help people achieve more with what they have, and we would hope that we think we would be able to show them that we can help them even achieve more than that if they enlist us. And so, you know, Charles and I and, and the guys on my team, we crank out evaluations. Uh, Charles, how many evaluations have we probably done in the last 10 days? It's hard to say. It's probably been 50, 75 of them. Oh, my you know, something. I thought you were going to say like 12. Right? <laughs> you know, no. We were probably <laughs> each doing 12, you know. Um, and it, it, it just adds up. And, you know, we got a pretty large team now. So, you know, we're running through evaluations and, and kind of uh, getting some guys just want a ballpark and some guys want to know what that infield looks like. And, you know, we spend the time to really dig into it and, and, you know, pop all, you know, pop all the balloons and say, you know, this is the real deal, whether you enlist us or not. Um, and we, you know, give some ideas of how to get to a better number if it's not good enough. And then, you know, if, uh, if they want to enlist us, then we provide a marketing strategy and kind of walk them through what we think we can get done. Um, and, you know, 99% of the time, I would like to say that we more than pay for ourselves uh, through our through the services that we offer, through the buyers that we bring, and ultimately through the pricing that we achieve um, in getting you to the finish line. Nine out of ten times, I've more than paid for myself. Charles would more than pay for themselves. Any of the guys on my team would. And, you know, it, it's it's a net value. I mean, we, uh, we here's a funny story. Charles uncovered a real nice deal that we were about to sell in Florida. It's like $13 million. We had a buyer for it overnight. And we offered an evaluation. Uh, we told her that, you know, might, more might be achievable. And then she went and talked to other people and was able to get somebody to pay even more than our guys could pay down this one deal. Uh, and we lost it. But we added a lot of money to that lady's pocketbook. By you know helping her do that, we're we're still hoping that we get the deal back. We're hoping the deal falls apart, but <laughs> right. you know not really. But you know what I mean. Uh, but she'll probably get her number, and she's you know because she enlisted uh, an advisor to start at least giving her some guidance because nobody was giving her any. And even though we still lost out on the deal, we still felt good that we're helping her. Uh, you know, essentially get more if she can get it done, and, and, and good for her if she can get more than we would have been able to get. Uh, because, you know, sometimes it does work that way. But that's the value a broker can bring, and it's free. And our team especially is is well-equipped to do so. We have, you know, both me and Charles are former owners. We both know how owners and buyers operate and, and look at these parks. And, you know, I've, I've been a broker for a long time, and we have, a, you know, quite the reach. So we understand how, you know, how to sell these things now. And uh, like I said earlier, most of the time we're going to more, more than pay for ourselves. Plus, you get a lot of free education along the way. 
And, you know, when we get books and records that are sloppy, we help you organize them. You know, we, we hope you enlist your accountant, but a lot of these guys aren't really even using accountants and it can be a challenge. And if they're going to try and sell it on their own, they might get 75% of the value that we could get. Um, you know, so awesome, man. That, that's one of the main well, I, I would say this. It sounds like if people are looking to retire and sell their home, sell their mobile home parks, or if they just have heard this information and say, hey, now is a good time to buy, um, reach out to Glenn and Charles. You can reach Glenn at G Esterson at themhpexpert.com, and you can reach Charles D. Hart at charles at themhpexpert.com. You can also go to themhpexpert.com and fill out a contact form or click on the number and you will be connected directly to Glenn. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, always appreciate it. It's awesome speaking with you, Jay. All right. Charles, thanks for joining us. Uh, I like having you on here with us, man. We got to do more of this. Yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next time, everybody. Hey.